famous Brooklynite once said, it was all a dream about achieving the seemingly impossible against relentless odds. It was another less famous Brooklynite, Arlene Lawrence, who first penned the world famous quote, be the change you wish to see happen. That's right, the often misquoted line should actually be attributed to a young teacher struggling in an at-risk Brooklyn high school in the 1970s. Lawrence's book, The Love Project, is about her experience transforming a school caught in a downward spiral. Welcome to the Metro Focus podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Flanagan. Similarly, it was the Bronx literary scene that also found itself in need of transformation and visibility. And it was two regular schmegular girls from the Bronx that stepped up to the plate to make the reality of books and the Bronx synonymous for New Yorkers and the world. So the Lip Bar is the only bookstore in the Bronx. It's also a wine bar. And it's a grassroots project that I started in 2014 when I learned that our only bookstore in the borough was in jeopardy of closing. That's Noel Santos, a Bronx resident, avid reader, small business owner, and fortuitous activist. You see, it was only a few years ago, in 2014 to be precise, when Noel was still paying the bills with an IT gig on Wall Street. It was through Facebook that she discovered the Barnes & Noble in the Baychester section of the Bronx was set to close due to higher rents. The mega bookstore was the only one serving all one and a half million people in the Bronx. Saddened and dismayed, Noelle made a decision on the spot that she was going to open the Bronx's next bookstore. Uh, I didn't know that bookselling was even an option for me. I'd never been exposed to it. I had never set foot inside of an independent bookstore before I decided to open one on my own. I had always measured my success by how far I could get away from the Bronx. You know, you get your education and you quote unquote get out the hood. And that just learning that our borough had 1.5 million people, 10 colleges and not one bookstore, that struck me so heavily as a reader. And that was just the latest headline in disinvestment in the Bronx. So I canceled all my life plans like pretty immediately and decided that I was going to be the one to step up and stop waiting for, you know, quote, the adults in the room to, to fix it. <laughs> So she did her research, contacted other booksellers for guidance, and came up with a plan, which she entered into the 2016 New York Startup, a business plan competition hosted by the New York Public Library and the City Foundation. Noelle came in second with her idea for the Lit Bar, which will join several other new businesses on Alexander Avenue in the Monhaven section of the Bronx. <laughs> I live here. I know this neighborhood. It's near and dear to my heart. But I was very strategic about where I decided to put this business. As you said, the, this swath of the South Bronx is gentrifying. And I wanted to put my business in, I want to I seat at the table. I want, I don't want, you know, I don't have a problem with the Bronx developing or progressing. I don't have a problem with, you know, having upscale businesses or having mixed income, you know, in the community. What I do have an issue with is people who are not from here moving and developing in the South Bronx and not, or anywhere where people already live and um, bringing their culture into these existing communities. That is my issue. So I wanted to be a part of the development, a part of the progression that's going on in the Bronx, and I wanted to ensure that faces that look like mine are represented in these market rate districts, and how can we have a voice? Is, is, is for us to buy the block, is for us to have ownership here, is for us to 
um, you know, not don't leave any room for outsiders because when you leave it undeveloped, when you don't move on it, somebody else will take that opportunity. Noelle says funding the Lit Bar was a community effort. After receiving her New York startup seed money, she created a Kickstarter campaign to reach her $100,000 goal. Thanks to social media, she surpassed that, getting some big, big donors along the way. Michael Moore, Chris Hayes, Joy Bryant, um, and the biggest donation came from a woman who lives in Brooklyn who just looks to looks to support good great causes but you know someone that you probably wouldn't have heard of and um, but the bulk of the money came from the community everyone chipping together five ten dollars so I always want to stress to the community that we did this. No one's coming to save us and we don't have to wait for them to come save us. We have the power to invest in the things that we want to see done. And while the Lit Bar will have nowhere near the square footage or inventory of Barnes & Noble, it will serve the community. So it's going to be a general interest bookstore, mostly new books. There will be a presence for children. My children's section is called Kitty Litter, but it's L-I-T apostrophe R, like a play on the lit bar, because mommy, can we go to the lit bar and get lit? It's probably not a good idea. <laughs> so there will be a children's presence. Um, families are welcome. And so I definitely want to give independent authors an opportunity. So while the Barnes & Noble that we, that we used to have, um, I appreciated them for what they were. It wasn't accessible. Um, it wasn't accessible by transportation, and they weren't, because of their corporate structure, they weren't read readily able to provide opportunities to the local community because they have the whole bureaucracy, you have all these change, you know, all these chains you have to go through to make decisions. Someone can just walk in off the streets and pitch their book to me. That I want to be able to give people a platform so they're no longer selling books out of the trunks of their cars, but they actually have a place where they can you know, start a legitimate business for their art, and then, you know, maybe they can prove a case to these bigger chains and, you know, have, just have a place to start and become educated about how the, you know, the publishing pipeline ecosystem even works. Part of that ecosystem includes book fairs, a chance for fans and readers to meet their favorite authors, discover new titles, and above all, meet each other. That's why another Bronx resident and literary publicist, Sericia Fennell, founded The Bronx is Reading, The Bronx Book Festival. Her title is a positive spin on the negative association of The Bronx is Burning that too many people still have of her home borough. My narrative is to get the entire borough reading, right? I'm, I grew up in foster care, like I said, in the projects. Those are, those are the people that I am trying to reach. Those are the people who tend to be reluctant readers or feel like they can't read or have never walked into a bookstore, never been to a book festival, have never met an author or an illustrator. You know, they don't even know that they can work in book publishing or they don't know that they can write books and make money. They don't know that they can draw or the people tagging up graffiti artists you can turn that into an illustrated book they don't know these things right and if they do there's no access for them to plug it in so that's that's the narrative that I am trying to change in the Bronx it's not only about 
there's no bookstore, we've never had a book festival. It's the overall message, right? I want the whole 360 degree angle. The book festival, like the Lit Bar, was inspired by Barnes & Noble closing. And I thought, well, what can I do? Because I know that people in the Bronx read. I know that they want, you know, bookstores. They want things like this. And so I started doing research and reaching out to people, asking them, you know, would you partner with me to put on a book festival? I'm a publicist. I work in publishing. I already know, like, what it should look like. I don't have any money, though. So, you know, would you partner with me? And I got a lot of no's and a lot of, this is a fantastic idea, but you're not a nonprofit, so no, we can't partner. And after years of that, I was just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to crowdfund this bad boy, and hopefully people will donate, and hopefully there will be other people out there in the world who would want to help me put this on. And so I put out a call on Twitter. And I said, I'm planning a book festival in the Bronx. Who would like to help me? And hundreds of people signed up to volunteer to help. I had my first meeting on uh, Veterans Day in 2017. The Bronx's Reading Book Festival kicked off on May 19th of 2018. And Cerecia, overwhelmed with emotion, knew she was on to something big. And so literally, it came together very quickly. I cried a lot. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, there's like a video that I still have pinned to my page saying thank you to everyone that backed uh, the Kickstarter. And it wasn't perfect weather for a book festival either. I had some festival goers who came in and we were putting up tarps to block people like that were sitting in the chairs from the from the rain and the wind and they were like do you need help you look like you need help and they just got up and and it was just very a familial feel like this is this is the you know literary family right here we're we're here we support you um, if you need help putting up tarps we'll help you with that if you need help putting chairs down i mean it was just phenomenal um, then you know there, there wasn't anyone who was upset no one was yelling everyone was encouraging each other to check out the books and you know thanking the authors for coming and talking to them I mean it was just amazing in total she says she got between seven and eight hundred people to come out including authors several of whom had Bronx roots themselves to participate in festival panels Elizabeth Acevedo who's the author of the poet X uh, Sayantani Dasgupta who is the debut author of a middle grade book um, called The Serpent's Secret and Tracy Batiste who is the author of The Jumbies which is another middle grade uh, title and so I was super excited about that. Of the many gratitudes that Cerecia shared with festival goers, a reoccurring theme was the event's location. The Bronx Book Festival was at Fordham Plaza, which is an ideal spot because the borough is virtually split in half by the interstate highway system. If it was happening in the South Bronx, you didn't know about it in the North Bronx. And if it was happening in the North Bronx, you didn't know about it in the South Bronx. And so people in the North Bronx don't necessarily hang out in the South Bronx. And people in the South Bronx don't hang out in the North Bronx. Don't even get me started on Riverside, I mean Riverdale. Um, so it's just, I just want to bridge the gap. And I want, you know, my thing is for the entire borough, really, which is why I had the festival at Fordham Plaza because I find that to be the central hub. It connects easily from the South Bronx, connects you easily from Manhattan. 
people from New Rochelle, Mount Vernon, Yonkers. Like, you can hop on that Metro North and come on down. So I think that's like the perfect central hub, honestly, when, when you're looking at the Bronx um, for all access. I mean, if you live in Dykeman, which is, you know, all the way uptown from, uh, from Manhattan, you can take the 12 bus and come on down and you're at Fordham. So really no excuse. Even my, our friends in Queens can take an express bus and come over. And getting people to reimagine the Bronx, what it is, where its potential lies, and that there's a literary tradition just as strong and proud as it is in other boroughs is what people like Cericia Fennell and lip bar owner Noel Santos are dreaming of. I think we need books just like we need air, food, and shelter. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the form of a bookstore, but our libraries are underfunded. Our, you know, our our textbooks don't, you know, our our textbooks don't look like the school's, you know, resources that they have in other boroughs next door. Um, we're not just a book desert, but we're like you said, we're a food desert. We're, you know, our infrastructure is not on par with the resources that you see in Manhattan and Brooklyn. And this is a shame that I live in the capital of the world. The, I live in the literary capital of the world, and there's not one bookstore that's representative of a of a larger um, injustice. In their own way, both of these ladies are notorious, and they're making the change that they want to see in the Bronx, transforming it from a dream to a reality. Thank you for listening to the Metro Focus podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. And please, when you do, leave a comment or click a review star to help more people find us online. And if you loved my conversation with Cericia and Noel, guess what? We've got more. Next week, I'll go further into my conversation and explore visibility, diversity, access, and jobs in the largely white world of publishing. You can also stay up to date with the podcast and everything Metro Focus by visiting us on our podcast webpage at metrofocus.org slash podcast. Or you can just click on the podcast window. That's the purple one on the upper right-hand side of our metrofocus.org webpage. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a story or a subject you think we should know about, drop me an email at metrofocus at 13.org or message us on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag uniquelynewyork so that we can cover more of the stories you want to hear on Metrofocus. <laughs>